Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint with me today, Jay Harvey. How are you, Jim? Hey, Jay, I am so good because you know what? It's Christmas time. I am so ready. And yes. I'll tell you what, in this year, 2020, I'm ready for, well, we all need a little Christmas, don't you think? Yes, we do. I a mean, lot of Christmas. There have been so many twists and turns, so much unpredictable. And there's something about Christmas that kind of anchors a year. No matter what the world is doing, no matter what the headlines are, there's something about just Christmas. It comes at the close of the year, every year, and gives us a chance to pause, to think, and yes, to celebrate. And I'm so ready for it, Jay, yes, are you? that's true. I'm glad you put it that way because uh, although I'm ready for the year to come to an end, I would like to end on a good note. So, well, yes. How, how better than Christmas, exactly. which has so much to offer uh, in real terms, in real life. And, you know, Jay, as I was thinking about Christmas this year, I could not help but remember that you and I, mm -hmm. yes, you and I, mm -hmm shared the stage yes. for many years yes. in a local production of Charles Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol. Come on. It was great. I it, mean, life-altering, wasn't it? It was life-altering. It was, <laughs> but it was. It was a great production, and it has a, a lot of history, and it, and it served such a good cause for so long. But it was uh, something that the story, if you, if you don't know the story, being a part of something like that, you really do get rooted in that time frame of Dickens and, and what the Christmas Carol was all about. It was fascinating. Sometimes they've called Charles Dickens the man who invented Christmas. That's right. I'm not sure I could go that far, but wow, A Christmas Carol has become a signature of the Christmas time. That's right. Hey, Jay, I think almost everyone knows the story of the Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. I right. mean, it has become one of the most well-known stories of all time. I mean, it's been the stuff of movies and books and a bestseller. And uh, over the last almost 200 years, it has really defined Christmas for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. There's so many different tellings of the story during the Christmas season on TV and and um, in plays, and you know, if you watch, if you stay up late, sometimes you can see the really, really old versions of the story, and and how they're talking a little bit different. It's yeah, it's it's widely known. Well, and just say a couple names, and everybody knows what you're talking about. I mean, can right. anyone hear the name <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge? Right, right, <laughs> and and right. not immediately visualize the the wiry greedy, yes. miserly, awful guy that is Scrooge. Exactly. Or if you say Tiny Tim, mm -hmm. there was that kind of pop singer for a season years <laughs> ago who, who borrowed the name. But, you know, when people hear the name Tiny Tim, they see the, the beautiful, angelic little child who's yeah. going to die young and be the subject of so much grief. And, I mean, that's an evidence of how popular the story is. What is it about Christmas? What is it about A Christmas Carol that has so deeply ingrained itself in our shared experience? What do you know about Charles Dickens, Jay Harvey? I mean, there's a famous name. Oh, wow. The more I know, the more I realize just what a brilliant um, thinker and writer and um, communicator he was, if you want to use terms that we use today. And I think he would always tap into something that was based in the fundamental 
part of even a Christian's life, that which is hope, uh, the hope that he would paint through his stories, especially a Christmas carol, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the adversary, no matter what you were facing, there was a way to navigate, and Dickens did this, to find the hope, the beauty, the humanity. And, and that's what I love about him. He is thought to be actually the world's first celebrity. You yeah. know, we're accustomed to a world where people are famous, they're entertainers, they may be on film or a recording artists of some kind, uh, and celebrities or sports stars and so on. But think about the 19th century. Celebrity was not a word that people understood. Mm -hmm. People were famous because they were part of the royal house or maybe they were in government. Maybe they were an industrialist or a person who had created a business and they were famous for that. But in terms of entertainment or celebrities like we take for granted now, Dickens was probably the very first global celebrity. And he wrote fiction. And as he did, his stories did have a way of just bringing hope. That's yeah. probably what drew out the audience. But also, his stories were always filled with pathos and the human tragedy and, mm-hmm. and the struggle of humanity. He, he had a profound sense of what it was to kind of just struggle to survive. And right. guess why? Right. Because that was his own story. Exactly. I mean, people don't realize that Charles Dickens was born into a very harsh world. And his dad was a paymaster for the Royal Navy in England. He lost his job. He didn't manage his money in a way that could keep him out of debt. He was thrown into debtor's prison. Think about a world in which Mm. you can't pay your debts. So the way that you're going to have a chance to pay your debts is to go to jail. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. The idea was that if you were thrown into prison, your family or friends would rally around money to pay off your debt to get you out. That was the idea. But it rarely ever worked because only poor people couldn't pay their debts, and their friends were poor too. Mm -hmm. So Dickens' father, his name was John, was thrown into a debtor's prison. And at the age of 12, Charles Dickens himself was forced to go to work in what was called a blacking factory, a place that made like shoe polish. Oh, and goodness. And his life, think about this, age 12, is a child laborer in a wretched factory where he fills bottles with the blacking oil and then has to paste a label on it. And this is his life. And the hours are long and there's no days off. And I mean, it's, it's awful. He, he was so ashamed of this journey, it only became public knowledge as he passed away. Mm. But it hugely informed his life because his life was like one of his characters. Mm. And then his father was released from prison because he received a small inheritance. Somebody in the family down the line died, which retired his debt. And his debt was small. It was like 20 pounds sterling, which was Mm. more then than it is now, but still was not like we have to imagine real debt. But that's how the whole family was interrupted. And Dickens was thrown into the workhouse and so on. And then... His dad is released, and he has a chance to go to school. So as he's in his mid-teens, he gets to go to school, and he learns to read and reads voraciously and discovers the power of words, and one thing leads to another, and he becomes the most famous author of his age, maybe one of the most famous authors of all the English-speaking world of all time. Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> I did not know the, the, the part about the debtor's prison and his father. And, you know, now looking back and, and thinking about that and, and thinking about A Christmas Carol and, and about just uh, taking a story, a, a universal story of pain and suffering and loss and grief and greed and 
charity and, and all the things that, that he writes about. He had so much to pull from. But he also, you know, I think, Jim, sometimes I, I, I think we forget how blessed some people are for not for making the right choice. What I'm saying is, is that he could have went the other way too, right? I mean, you know, he could have had every excuse in the book to to write hope out of the story, but he wrote hope into the story. And and knowing what he faced, that that's even more inspiring. He was a person who believed there was a better future. Right. And his ambition as an author, as an entertainer, and he was that, was to inspire people. Yeah to make better choices, not just for themselves, but for their community, yes. for the society, for others. And Dickens wrote his books, and A Christmas Carol, which was first published in 1843, became a runaway bestseller, and then he imagined something else, reading it out loud. So he went on tours in oh. the United Kingdom, across <laughs> Europe, and in the United States, where he simply sat on a stool and read the story. And he did it with great drama and effect, And the story took deep, deep root in our culture. Which brings us back to Christmas. Christmas is a religious holiday, and it was in Dickens' time, certainly, as it still can be today for those who choose to make it so, because it's grounded in, in historic reality that Jesus was born. Mm-hmm. And that all of history is actually divided by this marker, isn't it? We're, we're now in 2020, which is a, a number grounded in time based on when Jesus was right. born right. in Bethlehem. And the Christmas celebration that Dickens elevated in the, his short story, A Christmas Carol, his novel, a brief novel, was born out of his own spiritual journey too. So, I mean, there's a story. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who was confirmed and baptized in the Anglican Church, that's the Church of England. Right. But as he became a young man, he was very, very critical of what he called the established church. He felt like it was a lot of falderall Mm -hmm. that didn't really make much difference. But that's differentiated from being a fan of Jesus. Right. I mean, again, back in the 19th century's world, he was... He was like very forward thinking. Mm-hmm. He was able to differentiate between what some would call a fossilized church, and I don't mean to right. dismiss the Church of England. I'm just saying in his day, there was a certain establishment about the Church of England that he did not admire, and many people did not. He was able to differentiate that religious form from the reality of Jesus. Right. right. He had a deep spiritual vein in him, and mm-hmm. his writing, all of it, is infused with New Testament ideas and truth. Right. And even A Christmas Carol, it was written in a time when the Christmas story and the story of Jesus and the gospel was widely known. And in a way that today's audience may not recognize, he was writing a story for people who understood the gospel and to call them out mm-hmm. of their kind of detachment from the world and said, get involved in your world and right. make it a better place. Get off your high horse. Yes. Be the good Samaritan. That right. was his game. Mm-hmm. And, and Jim, as I'm just sitting here rem- remembering all of this and, and the story and reading the story and then being a part of a production that told the story, it was easy through this, uh, through Dickens' writing, of this story, A Christmas Carol, to find yourself in the story. And you could be different people in the story. You could be Scrooge at some point in your life. You could be Cratchit at some point in your life. He had this innate way of of allowing you to go through this journey and 
at certain times I would find myself saying, well, you know what? In this area of my life, I'm, I'm kind of a Scrooge. I need to examine that. And that's what I think the, the brilliance of this story is, is, is that you're just not one character. You, you could be multiple characters, but then he would always bring it back to what we've talked about, which is the hope, the hope of the world, Jesus. Where did this story come from? <laughs> it's a fantastic stage of characters with right. preposterous names, which was one of uh, Dickens' great gifts to literature. An Ebenezer Scrooge, a Fezziwig, yes, right. Bob Cratchit. I mean, they're, they're names that have a kind of clawing punch that uh, once you hear them, you can't mm-hmm. escape them. Mm-hmm. Where did this come from? I read a very fascinating piece by a man who is a Lutheran pastor and also a professor at a Lutheran college. Uh, a few years back, he wrote this essay where he suggested, as some other academics uh, and, and great thinkers who appreciate literature and Dickens, suggested that this story was actually inspired in the mind and heart and soul of Dickens when he sat in a church one day and heard Luke chapter 16, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. I want to read it right now. We've got, we've got the parable, and so let's read it. Deal. Okay. Luke 16, parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. And then Jesus said, The rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, At least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. But the rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets... They will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Mm. It's a wow. I can just imagine Dickens sitting in a pew hearing that read, or perhaps in his home reading the scripture itself. Mm-hmm. And his mind churning because he sees the characters. He's involved in the story. What would it be like if, what would it be like if there was a rich man who enjoyed all the comforts that money can bring and at his doorstep was someone 
someone in his world, someone close to him that he could recognize and know by name who was suffering because they didn't have material wealth. And so they lived without that benefit and suffered all along, right next door to him, as it were. And then what? What if someone came back from the dead and said to him, whoa, what are you doing, guy? What if Ebenezer Scrooge, what if his long-dead business partner, Jacob Marley, came back from the dead? Can you see how the author may have been spinning this story, inspired Mm. by it? And he's going to tell a different story, but the bottom line is going to be the same. Right. We're all travelers through this world. He even uses that phrase in the story, A Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. He talks about we're all fellow passengers, we're all fellow travelers, and we're all going towards the same end. And how we live here and now will make the whole difference about what happens next. Mm. Oh, I think that The Christmas Carol is a story that adapts this parable of Jesus and brings it to life in a different way, but inspired and in line with the truth of what Jesus brought. Why did Jesus even come into this world? This was Dickens' question. Why was he even born? What's this story about anyway? And for Dickens, it was about a chance Mm. to make different choices in life, to see the world differently as Jesus sees it, and to, by the grace of that Jesus, find our way following him in this life to a better life in the world to come. But it all has to be expressed here and now. You can't just, you can't just sing the songs and, and, and say the words. Your heart has to be formed like the heart of Jesus, willing to sacrifice with generosity so that others might prosper and live. How was Jesus born, Jay? Jesus born into poverty. Jesus born into a, a world that really drew no attention uh, in, in a big way, in, in a celebrity way. And, and there was not, and as the scriptures say, there was nothing really, at least in the beginning, that drew people to him. He was born into the real suffering of a real world, and, and even to his people that were suffering more than most. And so if, if there's hope there, then it has to be expressed in how you choose to live being born into a situation like that. Can you even celebrate Christmas, the birth of a Christ child who's placed in a feeding trough for animals because there's no place, there's no shelter for his mother. Right. And so he's in a barn and is in the backwater of a small town on the road to nowhere. (laughs) Right, right. At the far edges of an empire that doesn't care about even the territory at all to speak of. I mean, is there any way to celebrate Christmas really? without connecting to poverty, right? without understanding that God entered this world through the doorway of the poor. Mm-hmm. And God could come in any door he chooses, but he chose that one. And the whole life and ministry of Jesus was one which was focused on the poor. Jesus said as a young man, standing up in his hometown, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to bring good news to the poor. Mm-hmm. I mean, we sometimes forget that in the gloss and the beauty of the Christmas celebration. And it's what Dickens called us back to. Scrooge, it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Can, you just, can you just give something yeah. to the poor around you who are walking all around you? Can't you 
honor those who may not have been born to privilege as you have been? Isn't that a big part of how our Christmas celebration should be? Oh, and get this. The rich man in the parable, when he finds his doom, cries out to heaven, send somebody to my family. When he realizes he's lost, he begins to care about his family, his five brothers. Please send somebody. And Abraham smartly says, even if somebody came back from the dead, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't pay attention. Right. And isn't that the story of Jesus? Yes. Jesus came back from the dead, and there's still people who are not getting the message. Right, right. People are born to circumstances beyond their control, and they make choices in their circumstances. Mm -hmm. And choice is so much a part of the gospel, too. Right. Jesus invites us to accept him as our Lord, to make him the master, the guiding light, the star that is our uh, fixed anchor. And... That's a choice that he presents to us. And this Christmas, friends, we just hope you'll make a choice. Make a choice to embrace the Christ of Christmas, the babe of Bethlehem, Mm. the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and in so doing, to follow him and live in this world in a way that Jesus lived. And what's so beautiful about A Christmas Carol is that Ebenezer Scrooge makes the right choice at the last Yes. And suddenly he experiences Christmas with joy. And for all the money that he hoarded, it didn't matter anymore because he discovered the beauty and power of walking in the shadow and footsteps of of the Christ child. We're here to tell you it's Christmas. And Jesus Christ has been born. And he lives. And your life, your experience, can go forward with a smile, with joy. Even in the spite of difficulties, if you'll make the right choice, choose to give yourself to Jesus. Just take a step with us right now and pray. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for Jesus Christ, for the way in which he came into the world and for the Christmas time that reminds us of his most modest entry. And yet how beautiful it is, how spectacular it is for all of its modesty, how it still speaks across time. We're thankful for the inspiration of Dickens, for a story like A Christmas Carol, which dovetails with the words and the teaching of Jesus. We're thankful that you have given all of us a choice. And even if we're sent to the factory at age 12, even if our life has been filled with loss, even if missed opportunity has stalked us, Lord, we can make a choice. We pray that we'll choose to follow Jesus. And in that, Lord, bless us and inspire us and use us as instruments of your good. And for everyone, Lord, who's hearing our voice. May we never disparage our own riches because we have the riches of soul and heart. And we have things that we do hold in our hands. Helps to be generous in our spirit. May our Christmas this year be made merry because we have chosen Jesus. Amen. Wherever you are, however the Christmas time's unfolding for you, give us a call. Just dial this number, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're right by the phone. Here's the number. Are you ready? 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. Jay, I know some people won't call, but they might go online. Where can they find us online? Well, they can find us, Jim, at www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's it. CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's exactly who we are. 
just check us out online, send us an email, we will reply. Maybe you're actually accessing this uh, broadcast today through social media. And if you are, there's a, a feed where you can make comments. And if you put a comment there, we're tracking it, I promise. We will get back to you. Or at the last, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, check us out online, use social media, or send us a letter by post. Let us hear from you this week. AJ. Yes. So good to be with you and so fun to just remember a little bit of what it was like to bring the Christmas Carol to life on stage. And now I'm really ready to, you know, give. I'm I'm in the spirit now. It's great. (laughs) I'll tell you what, I don't want to do that third spirit thing where that that (laughs) thing comes up from the grave. (laughs) And we're so thankful you've joined us today. We hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to unpack this classic piece of Western literature, A Christmas Carol, and match it to the Christmas story in the most, well, life-giving way. Until then, for all of us at the Viewpoint Mystery Team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned, and Merry Christmas. ¶¶